premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey there, folks. This is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And as always, folks, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform you find yourself listening to this on, it's always my prayer that you find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast on a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Southwest Texas. Folks, I look forward to this. Uh, had a busy week. Uh, I was so excited to get, a, to get to this particular day because I think that the message that uh, we have for you for our Sunday, uh, our Sunday service here uh, is going to be one that's going to be a blessing to you. At least that's my prayer. And that's always my prayer. But before we get into the message, we got a few things we need to do first. Uh, would you please go over and visit our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com? And then once you get over there, if you, ju- if you would, just click that contact button and uh, send us over a message. I love to get messages from you guys. Uh, I find them uh, incredibly encouraging, uh, and especially the questions that I get, which I did receive another question that we're going to look at, uh, and I'll bring it up to you a little bit later on. Uh, but if you don't like to use the web forms, that's fine. You could always email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Uh, and the other thing I need you to do when you get to the website, and this is important too, uh, please uh, look for that support this podcast button. And if if you've been praying about this and the Lord has been leading you to do it, and these podcasts, these live broadcasts have been any type of blessing to you, would you please consider supporting this ministry? You can set up a, a monthly recurring contribution for $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You can also do a one-time contribution by using the Waygiver button that's on the uh, website as well. Uh, either way, folks, if you pray about it and you feel like the Lord's leading you to do it, and like I said, if this has been a blessing to you in any way, and you actually want to be an active part of this ministry, uh, this is a way to do it. So thank you so much for your, all the support that you guys give me already. I really do appreciate it, whether it's uh, through your prayers. I covet those prayers. They mean the world to me. Uh, and one of the emails, and I told you this before, but one of the emails that I love to get is just that little short one, hey, we're praying for you this week. We're praying for you today. Uh, those Those mean a lot to me. Thank you very much for those. So thank you for those of you who pray for us on a, on a regular basis. Thank you to also to those who already financially support us. And, of course, to every single one of you that uh, tune in on a, on a regular basis, that never miss a show. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, God bless you for it. You know, I'm thankful to God for you guys. You guys really are an encouragement to me, and uh, it's really a blessing for me to take part in this and to, uh, to be here in this position to— bring the Bible to you guys and uh, 
and hopefully to be a source of encouragement for you too. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much, and God bless you for it. Now, folks, if you're living in the Eagle Pass area and uh, you are looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, would you please consider visiting us over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? The church meets at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6, and our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. For more information, uh, just log into church into the church's Facebook page and search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And once you're over there, as always, you'll find lots of helpful information, and you'll also find episodes of this podcast as well. And of course, as always, we're thankful to uh, First Baptist Church for allowing us to post our podcast uh, up on the church's Facebook page. Uh, it really is a blessing to be there, and I'm thankful uh, that they're allowing us to do that. But folks, wherever you're listening, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really important to like, subscribe, and share, uh, because what that does is that that affects the algorithms so that when people do searches for Bible study podcasts, Bible study broadcasts, uh, however they phrase it, this particular podcast will be up in the uh, search results for those folks looking for something good to listen to. So... Uh, so it's really important, folks. Please like, subscribe, and share it uh, as much as you possibly can, and I would appreciate that. All right, well, so yesterday, uh, for those of you that were able to listen yesterday, uh, we had our first uh, weekly, um, our first Saturday guest segment. Sorry about that. And um, so we had our Saturday afternoon coffee talk with, uh, with my good friend Ruben. Uh, Ruben is a, a good brother in the Lord, and uh, he is uh, also a colleague uh, from my regular job. And we had a really nice conversation. It was amazing when we realized just how much time actually went by. Uh, we felt like we were just kind of chatting there for you know maybe fifteen minutes or so. And uh, when we looked up at the clock, we had already gone in over forty-five minutes. And uh, I think we finally finished at around an hour or so. So it was a really nice conversation. It was very cordial, very pleasant, very light. We didn't get into anything heavy. Uh, but it was great to get to know Ruben. And uh, Ruben will be on again, and we're going to really hit him with some doctrine and some theology. And we're going to have a good conversation. He's already preparing for it. So, uh, so we're looking forward to doing that. And thank you to everybody who was able to tune in live uh, for the show. The numbers were great on that one. And also the uh, downloads and the plays have been very good. So thank you. Thank you again for that. And uh, that'll help us to uh, plan out future episodes and live shows with guests on our Saturday afternoons. Again, we don't do the Saturday afternoon every week. That's only when we have a guest lined up uh, to come on the show and, and chat with us. So uh, that was a real blessing, and I appreciate that. Folks, don't forget Thursday night Bible study at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, we're, st we're still in the five T's. We're studying 1 Timothy, and we'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 3 coming up this Thursday, Lord willing, uh, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you can tune in, that would be amazing. I would appreciate that. Also, folks, don't forget to check out uh, Contra Radio Network at crn.best. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, in 
in prepping, uh, that is the place to go. Some excellent, excellent content, excellent information out there uh, that's put out by John. He's, he hosts a great site, and uh, I do appreciate him uh, rebroadcasting our uh, Bible studies and our Sunday shows and and everything we, we've been doing. So I do appreciate that. Uh, you can also find them on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, of course, all of the major podcasting platforms that they're part of. So crn.best. So we appreciate that. Uh, also, don't forget, uh, coming up in November, Lord willing, we're going to have the Mighty Righty podcast will be kicking off, hopefully on or about Election Day, so we can get our two cents in on that. Uh, looking forward to it. Did a couple of uh, test runs with it over the last couple of days, uh, working out some of the kinks. So we're excited to get that that going officially next month around Election Day. Uh, and don't forget also, folks, uh, I know I've been pushing it, and a little bit later on we have a spot for it, but uh, Good Pods. If you are looking for a really good community-based uh, podcasting platform, listening platform, uh, I recommend Good Pods. I love it. I use it all the time. Uh, I Honestly, I, I know that on my host platform, they don't list Good Pods specifically as a source. Uh, but I do notice that on the other category, my numbers are, have been going up, up, up. And I think that's coming from the Good Pods site. So I really do appreciate everybody that's listening in on Good Pods. Thank you so much. Uh, if you don't have an account, get one. What I love about it is the fact that it's a sense of community. Uh, I have met so many really talented uh, podcasters, uh, show hosts, and the interaction that we have with the community, with our listeners, is just great. I love it. Uh, it's a real blessing. So if you don't have a Good Pods account, I would encourage you to get one and just make sure that you find us first. And you could find me at the SOTS podcast. That's my handle on Good Pods. All right. And uh, don't forget, sign up for the programming announcements. We have a subscription box on our website. Uh, once you put your email address and name in that thing, it comes to me, and we get you on a mailing list. So every time we do a show or we have a change in programming or if we have a guest or something like that, anything show-related, you'll get a quick little email about it uh, just to, to keep you in the know. I'm not going to spam you. I'm not going to... Uh, sell your information off. This is just strictly for programming announcements. All right, folks. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break here. And then when we come back, we'll be getting into our prayer requests. And uh, because it is Sunday, we'll be going into some detail with them with the prayer requests. But uh, we'll be back, oh, I'd say in just about three and a half minutes. Don't go away.
thy faithfulness. Amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast, folks. This is Joe Russiello, and uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to get into our prayer request section. All right, well, first and foremost, uh, we always pray for those on our prayer list that are in need of salvation. Okay, and uh, so we're going to, we're still praying for my mom, Diane. Uh, We're praying that she would uh, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. We're also praying for my sister, Laura, we're praying for my, uh, my little granddaughter, Carmela, and we also have David in New York City uh, still in need of prayer uh, for salvation. Uh, I've known David most of my life. Uh, David's a good friend of mine. I've talked to David many, many times, and uh, uh, he just, um, just keeps rejecting it one time after another. Uh, I don't laugh out of that's funny. I just laugh at a little out of frustration sometimes. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, but uh, David does need salvation. David is need in prayer, and we're not going to give up. Amen? We're not going to give up. Uh, So let's pray. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the tremendous gift of salvation that you have given us through your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray uh, for my mom, my sister, my granddaughter, and uh, David in New York City, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just uh, pour your spirit out upon them, Lord. Draw them to yourself. Father, uh, impress upon them their need to have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, that that day will come very soon where uh, they will be cleansed in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, that they would be saved. Father, I pray that you would raise up folks around them or near them that can come and speak to them personally, one-on-one, and give them the gospel. And, uh, Lord, that that might be the uh, motivating uh, factor in their coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I, uh, I pray for my granddaughter specifically, Lord. Uh, my daughter knows the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know my daughter is uh, doing her best to expose Carmela to the Lord. So, Lord, we just pray that, uh, that, that you would use my daughter and her husband in, in, a, in a strong way, in a mighty way, in a powerful way to, to bring my little granddaughter to Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you so much for all that you do do for us. We thank you for the love and the mercy. We thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray it over them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so we're going to also now go down to our sick list. All right. Now, Pastor Martin, I mention him every single time we have a, have a show. Uh, Pastor Martin is uh, 88 years old, uh, has vision problems, high blood pressure problems, uh, he has eczema problems, he has medications. Uh, Pastor Martin has served the Lord faithfully for well over 50 years. And at, even at his advanced age with his, with his health problems, Pastor Martin is out on the street every week street preaching. So that's amazing. And that's just a real blessing. It's a real inspiration for me. Uh, where there are times where I feel like throwing in the towel. <laughs> you know, I just think about Pastor Martin and everything that he's gone through in his ministry and his life and and here he is in the latter days of his life, still out there street preaching, still committed to reading and studying his Bible every day. Uh, I believe he reads 10 chapters a day. And for a man who can barely see, uh, to read those 10 chapters is a challenge. But he does it every day, faithfully. So that's a challenge to us as well as Bible believers, that we ought to be reading our Bible. We ought to be in the Scriptures every day. We ought to be doing everything we can every day of our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that's a motivation for us. But we're going to pray for Pastor Martin today. We're also praying for my mom who's recovering from an illness. Uh, and, of course, we're praying for Bernice. Now, Bernice is uh, going through uh, a new round of chemotherapy, so we're praying for her. We're praying that the Lord would, would just touch her and give her strength and grace as she battles this cancer uh, that, that she's been fighting for quite some time now. Uh, we're also uh, continuing to pray for Bernice's mom and her aunt as well for their health needs. Uh, we're also praying for Alan. Alan is uh, dealing with prostate cancer. We got some news last week that the cancer has not spread. So coming up, I think, on the 27th, uh, they'll be laying out the plan of attack for uh, the treatments for the cancer. So we pray that you would just give the, give the doctors wisdom as they determine what they'll be doing and give Alan comfort and grace as he goes through these treatments. Uh, we're still praying for uh, Bernard Mowry for, uh, for his back surgery coming up. Uh, we're also praying for the Maurer family. Uh, the wife has a broken ankle. The husband also has uh, back surgery coming up. Um, we're praying for June Hall, who is now in a nursing home. Uh, and we're praying for Sophia, uh, who has uh, an irregular heartbeat, and Cassie, or Casey, sorry, uh, who is dealing with a broken ankle. So, Heavenly Father, as we go down our sick list, Father God, we realize that our bodies are just a temporary tabernacle, Lord, and they break down, problems arise. But, Lord, we come before you in the throne of grace to the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Father, just to touch each and every one that's on this prayer list. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, just touch Pastor Martin, uh, give him strength uh, to overcome uh, the health challenges that he experiences on a daily basis. 
And Lord, we pray that you would continue to give him the ability to preach, to teach, to study his Bible, and to be a blessing to those that are around him. Father, we pray for my mom as she's recovering. We're thankful for that. And Lord, we just pray you would continue to give her strength. Lord, we also pray for Bernice today uh, for the cancer that she's still battling. And Lord, uh, we pray that uh, as she's receiving this round of chemo, that Lord, you would keep the side effects to a minimum. And Lord, you would just uh, give her strength and give her grace as uh, she deals uh, with her illness. Father, we pray for Alan. We pray, Lord, that um, that the doctors on the 27th will uh, properly uh, treat the cancer that he's dealing with, and it wouldn't be anything invasive. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, the cancer has not spread, and we thank you, Lord, that Alan knows the Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would give him comfort and grace. Father, we pray for Kalani also, who is uh, still uh, dealing with some medical issues, uh, and we pray that you would just help her make the right decisions as far as treatments go. Uh, we also pray for her husband, uh, that you would give him grace as he, uh, as he works to, uh, to, to, to help her along with her illness and support his family. Father, we also pray for the Maoris, uh, for their uh, back surgery that uh, Bernard is going to be going through. We pray for uh, the Maurs, uh, for their uh, injuries and their surgeries coming up. We pray for uh, uh, Sophia, Lord, for the irregular heartbeat. Father, we pray that it's not something uh, that's going to be dangerous. We pray it's something that can be controlled and, and eventually regulated. And, Lord, we just commit that to you, and we'll thank you for your intervention. Father, we also pray for Casey for the broken ankle that she's recovering from. We pray that you would just uh, help her to get strong again so she can get back to what she does. And, Lord, we just commit all of these things to you, and we'll thank you for it. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you know, the sick list is just um, grows and grows and grows. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded as we go through these things, uh, you know, how much we tend to go to the doctors and, you know, trust the doctors to do these things when we have the great physician that we should be appealing to first and foremost in, in everything that we do. So... Uh, that's also a prayer of mine for all these folks and anyone really who's not feeling well, who's any kind of sickness and, uh, or illness or injury that they need recovery from is to seek the Lord too. You know, don't just put your, your faith and your trust in your doctors, put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're also going to be praying for, uh, for George. Uh, we're still waiting for some contract uh, bid updates uh, so we're going to pray that the city of Eagle Pass will move on these things and uh, let George know one way or the other uh, whether those contracts were approved or not. Uh, we're also praying for um, for Robert, <clears throat> who is working on the border, uh, National Guardsman. We keep him on our prayer list every day, and we will do that until uh, Robert asks us not to keep him on there. Uh, but Robert, we're praying for him, uh, for his service on the border here. Uh, we're also pl praying for all the Border Patrol agents, the National Guardsmen, law enforcement that are working on the border here. Uh, we are so thankful for them and for the uh, sacrifices they're making and being away from their families and putting their lives on the line to uh, try to keep us safe here along the border in these border towns. And, of course, you know, throughout the rest of the United States as well. So we want to pray for them. Uh, we're also uh, continuing to pray for Angel. Uh, who is pregnant, and for her husband, Alex, and we're thankful uh, for them, and we just continue to pray for them uh, as they go through their first pregnancy together. 
So, Father, we just want to commit those uh, prayers to you, Lord. We want to pray for George, for his contracts, and Robert. Uh, we want to pray for the uh, Border Patrol agents, National Guardsmen, law enforcement that are working along our border. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for their service, Lord. We thank you that uh, they're in a place where they can uh, they can work and, and, and try to keep us safe and protected from... Uh, drug trafficking, human trafficking, illegal immigration, everything that they deal with on a, on a regular, daily, everyday basis. Father, we pray for them, and we pray that you would give them grace to, uh, to handle the things that they see, the things that they hear, and the limitations that are placed upon them. So, Father, we lift them up to you, and we thank you for them. Lord, we want to pray for Angel and Alex as they go through their first pregnancy. Lord, we're thankful for them, for their service in the church. And, Lord, we, uh, we, we pray that you would just give Angel a smooth pregnancy, an easy pregnancy, and that, uh, Lord, it would be all for your grace and your glory. Father, we also want to pray for the all the unspoken prayer requests uh, that are out there. Lord, we just lift them up to you, and we ask you, Father, to just please just answer those prayers and all of our prayers, of course, according to your perfect will for us and for our lives, and that it would be for your honor, for your glory, and your majesty. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, folks, if you have any prayer requests that you'd like to uh, get on our prayer list, uh, don't forget you can email those to me, uh, info at com. And then once we get them, we'll add them onto our prayer list. If there are any updates to the prayers uh, that we are going through, uh, you can also email me those updates as well. If we need to add something, take it off, you can let me know, and uh, I would appreciate that. All right, folks, so if you have any prayer requests, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. All right, so earlier I told you that um, we had a, a question come through uh, the website, and uh it came through yesterday, so I'm, I'm not going to answer it today. I'm going to save it for Thursday night, uh, because the, mostly because the, the message that, that I have for us is going to be a little longer than, than usual. So, uh, so I want to hold off on that for time's sake. But it was a very good question, and it's a question that I think really does need to have an answer. Um, not like I did on, uh, on uh, Thursday with uh, the question about the flat earth or globe earth. But um, uh, this is an important question, and this is uh, the way it was it was put to me was well. Let me just read it. Let me just pull it up one second. Okay, here we go, brother Joe. I'm having a problem in my local church, and I'm contemplating leaving the church. And then he he lists some of the issues uh, that they're dealing with, which I'm not going to mention. Um, how it, I'm sorry, let me scroll back up here. What is the best way and how should a Bible believing Christian leave a church? Well, again, that's a great question. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an important question because a lot of folks do tend to just walk away from churches without, uh, without doing it the right way. Um, so I do have an answer for this, but we're going to go into that on Thursday evening. So if you want to hear the answer of why and how to leave a church, uh, come back on Thursday, seven o'clock, and we'll answer that question for you. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take our next break, and that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a bottle of water. And when we come back, we'll be getting into today's message 
our Sunday message on fear, faith, and astonishment. We'll be right back. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello. And, of course, while we were on the break there, my um, my little sister had to comment about uh, the coffee or the bottle of water. I'm not going to tell you what she said, but that's on you. All right. So, folks, would you uh, grab your Bibles, and if you would, take it uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter number 15. 
Exodus chapter number 15, and we're going to get started in just about a minute. Uh, before we do, though, folks, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you would, please keep me in your prayers right now, because uh, I don't know if you can tell. I feel like I can tell. Uh, not really feeling so great. And um, so uh, if you could just keep me in your prayers as we go through the show, uh, <laughs> as we go along here, uh, I would appreciate that. Okay, take your Bibles, and if you would, turn over to Exodus chapter 15, if you haven't already done so. Exodus is the second book of your Bible, Exodus chapter 15. It's really pretty easy to find when you think about it, Genesis, then Exodus, Exodus chapter 15. Now, this is what you would call a springboard text, all right? Sometimes when you're reading your Bible, certain verses kind of just leap off the page and grab your attention, and uh, usually when that happens with me, I kind of have to just stop and ponder them for a while. Uh, I have to stop where I am. I just have to kind of meditate on that and just think about it just for a few minutes before I continue on. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Now, I want you to notice something there. Uh, notice gods. Notice the small g, gods. See, God is willing to acknowledge that there are other gods. You know, the psalmist said that as well. In fact, the devil is called what? He's called the God of this world. He's not the Lord God, but he is a God, a small g. Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? That little phrase there, fearful in praises, doing wonders, captured my attention. And I had to think about that for a little while. See, somehow... God connects fear, human fear, with him doing his wonders. Sometimes, it, and it must be that when, you know, sometimes when God manifests himself in wondrous ways, it tends to become fearful to the observers. So I thought that there has to be some biblical examples of that. Because, you know, God doesn't just say something and then leave it hanging for you. Inevitably, he'll give us an illustration or an example for us to follow through. So uh, before we look at those, how about we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, would you add your blessings, I pray, to the instruction we're about to receive from your holy word. I thank you for the instruction that it provided to me personally. Lord, I thank you for the increase of faith that came from these observations. Father, I pray that everyone that's under the sound of my voice today and going forward from here would benefit like I have from this study. And Father, for myself, I pray that you would just help, my, help me to feel a little bit better, give me the energy and the strength that I need through the power of the Holy Spirit to teach this lesson tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> would you take your Bibles and turn over to Mark chapter 4? All right, Mark has chronicled a number of these occasions, and we won't have the opportunity really to look them all up, but we'll, we're going to get a good amount of them, okay? Mark chapter 4, Matthew, and then Mark in your New Testament. The second book of your Old Testament is Exodus. The second book of your New Testament is Mark. Mark chapter 4, and let's pick it up in verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude... They took, him, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. 
And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. So the ship was full of water. Now, by all conventional wisdom, that's not a good situation. Amen? When the ship is full of water, it's really kind of a bad deal, no? And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they, and they awake him, and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what's really fascinating about this text is that they were fearful when the ship was full of water. I mean, clearly they had a cause of concern. The waves were so high and the wind was howling. But these guys were professional fishermen. It's not that they hadn't seen storms before. They, I'm sure they're well acquainted with rough water. But this was particularly rough, and their concern accelerated to a degree that they said, well, we'd better wake Jesus up. You know, maybe he has a remedy. When he provided the remedy, they became more fearful. Now, don't you find that odd? Their greatest fear came after the waves were calmed. And that's amazing when you really think about it. The power of Jesus Christ is often more fearful than the natural elements of life. Waves they had seen, wind they experienced, but Jesus calming all of that was a brand new phenomenon to them. And they just marveled at it to the extent that they were fearful. Jesus said the problem was a lack of faith. That's exactly what he said in the text. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Do you know what faith does? Faith calms waves. Faith steals the wind. All the waves and the wind of life. To be sure, you're not going to get through life without a few waves. You're not going to get through life without the boat filling up every now and then. That's just the way life is. God told us it would be that way. So don't get mad at God when the waves come. He told us that yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward over in Job chapter 5. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he said, time and chance happeneth to them all. I mean, we operate under a certain curse in this world, and that curse brings the winds and the waves of life. Well, there's something else I observed about this. God seems so ambivalent about their fears. Jesus was asleep. Now, if, if you called me this afternoon with a great crisis of, of faith, and my, responses was, uh, my response to it was, please don't bother me now. I'm taking a nap. You'd be offended, wouldn't you? Well, that was Jesus' reaction. I'm asleep. Don't you think that Jesus knew even though he was asleep? He just seemed so utterly unconcerned about it. Jesus seemed to express no concern for their boat filling up with water to the point of sinking. Do you think that God ultimately has everything under control? You say, man, our economy is sinking. 
And boy, is it. Do you think that Jesus knows that? Do you think Jesus knows about inflation? Do you think Jesus knows about your retirement plan? I think he probably does. You know, he seems so sleepy, almost like, don't bother me. He said the remedy was faith. How do we get faith? Well, the Bible gives a clear formula over in Romans chapter 10, where it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I have to confess to you that just analyzing in some detail this story that we just read, it really helped my faith. It increased my faith personally. And oh, by the way, the ship was full. Well, what's your point? Well, the ship was full. Jesus will do what you can't do. But you see, they still had to bail. They still had to get the buckets. They still had to bail the ship out, didn't they? Jesus didn't do that for them. He, he stood up and he said, all right, peace, be still. He took care of that, but they still had a full boat. They had to figure out how to get the water out of the boat. You see, some people operate under the mistaken impression that we just throw everything at God and let him take care of everything. No, no. The principle looks really quite clear in the Bible. You do what you can do and let God intervene and take care of what you can't do. God will perform the miracle. Now, I remember when Jesus turned the water into wine over in John chapter 2. Remember, we studied that when we were going through the eight miracles of John. His mother came to him at the wedding feast and said they were out of wine. And what did he do? He said, you tell the servants to gather the pots, and you tell the servants to fill them with the water, and you tell the servants to bring them here and line them up. When they had done all that they can do, then I'll perform the miracle. Just because we serve a miraculous God is no excuse for laziness or apathy on our part. We do what we can do. They were fearful. They were very fearful. In some ways, they were more fearful, according to our text, about the power of God being manifest over the natural elements of nature than they were nature itself. Go over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Excuse me, I need a little, little bit of water there. Mark chapter 5, this same scenario begins to now expand. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea. So immediately upon the heels of this great event that we just read about, now they're crossing the Sea of Galilee into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked, under, plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So I guess you could say he was a real wild man. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, 
he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You see, evil spirits can be very religious, even in their conversation and the rhetoric. Just because someone is speaking in great religious tones doesn't necessarily mean that the whole thing is of God. You have to be careful. You have to be discerning. For he said unto them, for he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is, my name is Legion, for we are many. So this man wasn't just possessed by one devil, but a whole bunch of them a whole busload of them. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter in unto them. Now there are all kinds of great doctrines that can be extracted from this text, honestly. But there's a couple of interesting points that I'd like to stop and pass on before we finish this narrative, okay? Uh, do you know what the devil is looking for? He's looking for a wet, warm body. That's what he's looking for. You know, some of the most sinful places in the world are warm water seaports. And then there's a whole sermon in that right there. All right, verse 11. Now, the, now, there was nigh, now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter in unto them. What the devils want is a warm, living body. They don't want a cold place. And I kind of wonder, you know, when I was reading this, I was kind of wondering if that has anything to do with the fact that hell is warm. Think about that. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed, clothed in his right mind. Now catch this now. And they were afraid. Now doesn't that capture your attention? What caused their fear? What caused the fear was the fact that this man was sitting there in his right mind. That's what caused the fear. And when you stop and think about it and about what we just read, how is it that mankind can learn to accept things that defy usual explanation? For example, look back in verse 3 and 4. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So not only is his behavior absolutely bizarre, I mean, living out in the graveyard, cutting himself, and crying with weird, weird and wild noises, he has this supernatural strength. And when they had the opportunity to capture him and bind him with the chains, he just snapped them like string. Somehow, the local community had grown accustomed to that. They accepted it. 
well, you know, you know, okay, we got a demon-possessed maniac running around out here. I guess that's sort of normal. But then they're terrified when there's a completely plausible answer. Jesus got in the mix. Jesus cast the demons out, and now the guy is as normal as he can be, just sitting there in his right mind. And as a result of that, they're afraid. They're terrified. There are many that would rather live with the demons of the graveyard than with the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And I would suggest to you that America is filled with people like that. They would rather live with the demons of the graveyard. And if you don't believe that, just surf the channels on TV and see what kind of programs they have. People would rather live with the demons of the graveyard than the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. That's what really scares them. That's what really terrifies them. The cleansing power of Jesus Christ. People are afraid of that. They're scared to death of it. They would rather live with the demons of the graveyard. Well, how about another example? Let's go over to Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. And this is a parenthetical story right here in the middle of a larger story about a young lady that Jesus had raised from the dead. In verse 25, we, go, we read, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Okay, so she had a blood problem. Exactly what the problem was, we don't know, but it was a problem with her blood. Maybe she was a hemophiliac. I don't know. But I know she had a blood problem. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many positions, physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Well, that verse kind of just resonates loudly, doesn't it? When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And, immediate, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now this woman, as the text is indicated, has a, has a problem, has a blood problem. In a sense, this woman is representative of the entire human race because we have a blood problem. And the problem comes from our first father, Adam. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And that bad DNA, that thing called sin, is transmitted from generation to generation and from person to person through the blood. Through the blood. That's why Leviticus says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The problem with the flesh is, is that it dies. So we inherited bad DNA from Adam, and it doesn't matter who you are, you've got it. This woman is representative of the entire human race. 
She has a blood problem, just like you and I. If our problem is our blood, when we get sick, we should just get a total blood transfusion, right? The problem with that is, is that the transfusion is coming from other sinners. The only solution is good blood, pure blood, righteous blood. There's only one that could provide that, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, we're told that he had God's blood, hence the virgin birth, and therein lies the remedy. So she has a problem. She knew that Jesus was the answer. She tried all the remedies of mankind. She tried them all. She's been to the MD. She's been to the acupuncturist, the chiropractor. She's been down the holistic path. She's tried every remedy that man could come up with to no avail. She finally arrived at the conclusion that Jesus was the only answer. Folks, when it comes to your blood problem, Jesus Christ is the only answer. When she touched the hem of his garment, she knew that something dramatically changed. She instantly acknowledged that there was a phenomenal change in her. Now, I don't know about you, but when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I knew something has changed. I couldn't give you a doctrinal thesis on the subject. I couldn't tell you what verses were in the Bible to prove that. I just knew that something had changed. And before I knew it, the changes were coming out of my mouth. I started to tell people about the change that was going on. And some of them looked at me like I was crazy. But I knew that there was something in me that had to bubble out, and I had to go tell people about that change that was going on. This woman had experienced a great change. She had experienced the power of God firsthand. But then the Bible says that she became fearful. Well, why was she fearful? Because she fell down before him and told him all truth. When you experience the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand that there's a certain accountability to the truth that wasn't there previous to that. Accountability to the truth can cause one to be a little fearful. You know, there are people that recognize that that, that is a requirement prior to salvation. You have to get honest with God and tell God about yourself. You have to admit to God that there's none righteous, no, not one. You have to admit to God that there is none that doeth good. And then they fall well within the center of that category. This woman right here, she became fearful when there was all of a sudden an accountability to the truth. But again, faith, faith is given as the remedy. Jesus said, your faith hath made thee whole. Faith is the remedy. Now, here's one more occasion we have to look at. And then we're going to take a break. And when you're studying your Bible, sometimes you need to kind of just sit. You need to sit there and you need to read your Bible. When these, when these passages leap off the page at you, you just make a note. Then after you're done with your reading, you go back and you study them out. Research these things. Chase them down. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We're just chasing these things down. Way back in Exodus where he said, wonders can be fearful. We're just tracking down occasions of that. In Mark chapter 5, verse 22, Mark chapter 5, verse 22, 
And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, his, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. So that's the overriding scenario. Then we get to the parenthetical story in the middle of the chapter about the woman with the issue of blood. So let's pick it up in verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So there must be a remedy in believing, and believing is almost synonymous with faith. Faith is the result of believing. One is tied to the other. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. See, part of the culture was... When someone died, they hired a bunch of professional mourners, and they wailed, and they cried, and, and it was the most awful screeching noises you can imagine to express the grief of the family. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. I'll tell you this. Jesus is hanging his reputation on the line right there, isn't he? If he doesn't follow, it'll be determined that he's the biggest quack of all time. She's asleep. She's not dead. And what's the reaction? And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha kumai which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Now, do you see the progression? Do you understand what we see in this progression? Fear is replaced with astonishment. And I love that. One day, all of your fears that you have embraced in this life are going to be replaced with astonishment. All of them. Every single one of them. And there's a picture here, of course, and I'm just going to briefly refer to it. All right, It's something I rolled out to you uh, some time ago. And if you missed it, then I have to find out which episode it is, and I'll let you know. Uh, I think it was uh, had to do with the raptures. But what we have here is we have a type of the rapture. Okay, Verse 39 says, she's asleep. Those who are dead in Christ are said to be asleep in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They're asleep. Those believers that have gone on before us in the estimation of Scripture, their bodies are asleep. Their soul and their spirits are quite awake in heaven, but their bodies are asleep. She's asleep. And then in verse 41, Jesus says to her, Arise. 
in more than one place in your Bible, the rapture is characterized by that word, arise, come up, come up. This young lady is told to arise. And that's not all. We're told that she's 12 years old. Now, in that culture, it's pretty safe to assume that she was a virgin. Do you know what the Church of Jesus Christ is referred to in 2 Corinthians? It's referred to as a virgin. It's referred to as a virgin. Then in verse 43, it's a secret. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Isn't the rapture a secret? So in other words, all of a sudden, one day, the trumpet's going to sound and a great voice is going to come and you're going you're to arise. And those that are asleep are going to arise and it'll be an absolutely unknown mystery to those in the world. It's a secret. It's a secret rapture. And then finally, he gives the command that she should be given something to eat. And when you get to heaven, you're going to hit the judgment seat of Christ. And then you're going to go, then you're going to, go to a great feast. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So here, we have a picture of the rapture. Do our fears end there? I would certainly say yes. But there are certainly astonishments. Now that got me on a whole other track. <laughs> you know, the, the fears that these people experience in the stories we just talked about uh, as a result of the power of God being manifest finally turned into astonishment. Finally turned into astonishment. And we're going to pick that up when we come back from this break, don't go away. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book.
I don't know why, but that song always gives me goosebumps. Always. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast, folks. This is Joe Rusiello, and we're studying fear, faith, and we're coming into our discussion of astonishment. We said before the break that the fears that these people experienced in the stories that we were just reading about were all the result of the power of God being made manifest, and then finally, finally progressed from fear to faith and now to astonishment. So what I decided to do is run that out a little bit. So I took my concordance and I looked up the word um, astonishment. Word studies, by the way, word studies in the Bible are incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. You want to learn your Bible, do word studies. You can learn so much just by understanding that words mean things. Words mean things. So let's conclude with a handful of these astonishing things. Let's go back to Matt, to Mark, actually, not Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 7. Now, the word astonished is all over the Bible. It's all over your Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, but just to kind of keep things simple, I just kept my, my research to the book of Mark, okay? Mark utilizes it several times, actually. Mark chapter 7 and verse number 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment of his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. So most deaf people do, in fact, have an impediment in their speech, and that's because they can't hear themselves. So, uh, so, they speak, so if they speak, it's kind of difficult to understand. And, and he, took them, he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers into their ears, into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. Now, from the text, I'm not sure if he spit directly on his tongue or if he spit on his hands and touched his tongue. I mean, either way, don't you find that a little, you know, he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much more the great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. They were astonished at Jesus' ability to overcome the difficulties of life. Now, being deaf and having a speech impediment would definitely be a difficulty of life, wouldn't you say? Uh, I used to go to a church in Manhattan that had a, a large deaf ministry. Uh, we had a deaf pastor, and there were about, if I remember right, about 40 or 50 members in that ministry itself. Uh, the pastor was deaf, but he was also very verbal. If you listened carefully enough, you could actually carry on a conversation with him. Very sharp, very intelligent guy. And he would preach to them every Sunday in sign language, which is an amazing thing to observe. And they were great folks. They really were. When they got comfortable around you, they would want to carry on conversations with you. I used to talk to them a lot, actually, and, and I'd have no idea what I agreed to. But, um, I mean, sometimes all you could do is just kind of shake your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. But I tried. I tried. I listened. 
But over a period of time, you kind of gain an ear for the way they talk. But I appreciated the fact that they, they tried and they were interested in these spiritual things. They had an appetite for the word of God. Under difficult circumstances, they struggled to learn, and God blessed them for it. Wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing if Jesus had walked into that church and healed them all miraculously? I would have been astonished. So would everybody, so would everybody else. And one day he's going to. One day he's going to. So just this one individual created great astonishment in people because of Jesus' ability to overcome the difficulties of life. Do you think Jesus could help you overcome the difficulties of life to the point that sometimes we're astonished? The Lord must have done that. Let's look over in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark seems to kind of camp on this theme, doesn't he? I mean, he's into it, right? Amen. He's into it. Mark chapter 10. And verse 23. Mark 10, verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now, that's predicated upon the story that we know as the rich young ruler. Uh, a young man came to him and asked him, said, Good master, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus went on and rehearsed the commandments to him. Then he said, All these things have I done from my youth up. Then Jesus said, Fine. Then go sell all of your goods and give it to the poor and follow me. I mean, you talk about heart attack city, right? Verse 22, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus followed up with that and said, and Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Now, notice that Jesus never said it was impossible. That's not what he said at all. He said it was hard. He said it was hard. And do you know why it's hard? Because people that have great riches are clinging to those riches for all the answers of life. They usually fail to look beyond this life into eternity. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do, but not very frequently. Their riches becomes their God, and that's what they serve. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Then he went on to illustrate it in verse 25. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, <laughs> out of measure. I mean, in other words, these guys were totally freaked out. They're flipping out beyond measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? See, they had assimilated a certain philosophy that had come up through that um, pharisaical society that said the well-to-do were in a better position before God. And then Jesus comes along and just tore that completely apart and threw it aside. And he said, that's not the case at all. Rich folk have a hard time entering into the kingdom of God. 
Did you ever stop and thank God for being poor? Maybe we should. Now, I know that none of us are genuinely poor in the Bible sense, but we're probably not rich either. You know, Solomon said it best over in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 9. He said, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So it's not good to be poor because you'll curse him. It's not good to be rich either because you'll forget him. The best way to be is just, I guess, just a little comfortable. Just be comfortable. So Jesus astonished his disciples at his doctrine of salvation. They were just blown away about it. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. This is one of my favorite verses. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 21. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus' teaching was cloaked in authority. His authority came from the scriptures. He was continually quoting scriptures to them and reminding them of the word of God. That's great authority. Jesus' teaching was shrouded in great authority, and they found that whole thing astonishing because they were used to the scribes who would stand up and say, well, we look here at this verse, and and now we need to understand that God didn't really mean what he said, but what he really meant was, I mean, do you see the problem with that? Do you see the problem with that? Who becomes the final authority? Well, he did. You know, the Greek teacher, the Hebrew teacher. No, you see, God is the final authority. Some people find that astonishing. Some people find it astonishing that we could have a final authority. I want you to realize that, it, that what's in your lap or what's on the table in front of you or what's on your phone screen, if you're looking at a Bible on your screen, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to realize that that is the source of final authority. You can read it, you can pray over it, and God will help you get it. If you stumble on something that you don't understand, pray about it. I do this all the time. I stumble on something and I pray, Lord, you know me, I'm dumber than a box of rocks. I need you to help me get this. I never prepare a sermon or a Bible study without saying, Lord, we're on a new adventure here. It's just you and me, and I'm the dumb one. I need your help. He'll help you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher according to the Word of God. A pastor is a teacher, but your ultimate teacher is God himself. If you look to him, he'll help you. He'll help you. And a lot of people find that simple doctrine astonishing. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon 
And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Well, so much for the perpetual virginity of Mary, right? Just thought I'd throw that out there. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So they found the wisdom of Jesus Christ so astonishing, so incredible. They failed to give him the honor that he was due. So Jesus essentially said, a prophet can't expect a lot of honor in his own country. Because they found his doctrine so astonishing. So astonishing. And his wisdom so incredible. Folks, we're going to take one more break, and then we'll be right back, and we'll wrap this whole thing up. Stay with us. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Hey folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and we are studying fear, faith, and astonishment. And we've been kind of traipsing through Mark, the Gospel of Mark, with some excellent, truly excellent examples of that. And um, we're going to go on to one last one. We have just one more to go. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I mean, don't you love these Bible stories? I do. Don't, and don't they shed a lot of light on things? They really do, actually. They really do. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to go to verse number 12. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now, this isn't our story, but we talked about this last week uh, briefly. We said that we thought it was a little presumptuous of Jesus to expect figs, a fig tree to bear figs when it wasn't time for you know the fig tree to bear figs. We said it would be like uh, cursing an apple tree for not having apples, right? And we also hinted there was something more to the story than meets the eye. Well, the fig tree is representative of Israel in the Bible. The fig tree is also representative of human works. Remember when Adam and Eve fell and discerned their own sin? What was the first thing that they did? They made themselves aprons of fig leaves, trying to cover their own unrighteousness out of fig leaves. So understanding those truths, the Lord said, fig tree, Israel, fig tree, human works, You've been unfruitful. You haven't met the mark. You haven't done your job. Therefore, there has to be something better offered. Amen? Now, having said that, moving right along, and they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went to the temple and began to cast them out, cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. The temple was constructed in such a way that there was an outer court and an inner court. The inner court was for Israel, and the outer court was for the Gentiles, proselytes, the, uh, those that converted to Judaism. Uh, but as far as the Orthodox Jews were concerned, they weren't eligible to go into the inner court. 
And over the years, the Jewish people had taken over the outer court that was designed for the Gentile proselytes and kind of pushed them out the door and turned it into a market. They were selling these various things that the Jews could use as a sacrifice. They were merchandising the temple. And Jesus was not pleased with this at all. He went into the temple and he began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple, and he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So Jesus went in and just tore that place up and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. So he just totally shut them down, totally shut them down. I mean, can you imagine that? He's just surrounded by all these people, and he's just one man. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves of all nations. He's quoting from Isaiah right there. You've cast out the very nations that ought to have access to your God, and you've merchandised the whole thing. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Do you know what's astonishing? Astonishing. Jesus has an angry side, and that's astonishing to some people. You know, the mild, mellow, gentle, compassionate, loving, kind, and considerate Jesus, the lonely prophet who trode the dusty, tales of, dusty trails of Palestine, you know, the Jesus of the movies, the Jesus of Hollywood, has an angry side. That's astonishing. Don't you suppose eternity and the judgment seats will reveal the angry side of Jesus? Don't ever get on that side. Don't ever get on that side. And if you're on that side, you'd better get saved. Get saved and you'll escape his wrath. Jesus is exercising his wrath on this occasion. You know, the tribulation is a time of God's wrath being poured out on the earth. Now, if you're a believer, uh, you and I have a promise that we'll not experience the wrath of God. We're told that twice in 1 Thessalonians alone. We will not experience the wrath of God. Well, why? Because Jesus Christ on the cross took my wrath for me. Don't ever underestimate Jesus. He does have an angry side. But you know, some folks find that astonishing. And that's because modern society has mellowed us into a bunch of spiritual weaklings. Jesus Christ does have an angry side. You know, I find it incredible and yet plausible that some people would rather live with the demons of the graveyard than the power of Jesus Christ. Not me. Not me. I'd just as soon forget the demons of the graveyard and see the power of Christ manifested daily in my life and in yours. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Father in heaven, it's just been a lesson today of some practical things that we observe about fear. You said in the book of Exodus that your wonders are fearful, yet to us as believers, they don't have to be. We look forward to being astonished, but not fearful. If we, we're not given the spirit of fear. Lord, I know that heaven is going to be an astonishing thing. 
an incorruptible body is going to be incredibly astonishing. The glory of God is going to be beyond our comprehension. We have these promises, and we thank you for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Uh, what a blessing this lesson has been for me. Like I said earlier in the, in the message that uh, it really it really bolstered my faith, and I, I hope it did the same for you. It's my prayer that it did the same for you. So uh, if, you, if you do have any comments on it, please feel free to email me, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Head over to swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Look for that support this podcast button. And if the Lord has led you to do so, please, please consider a monthly contribution. Or you could do a one-time contribution through Waygiver. And we will be so thankful for that. Folks, thanks for tuning in today. Lord willing, I'll see you again on Thursday at 7 o'clock as we continue the five T's. Until then, God bless you. Take care. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.